Welcome to The Kindness Project, the podcast designed to share stories of kindness and share how kindness can make positive change in our world, one small act at a time. In this week's episode of The Kindness Project, we talk about Karate Kid, movie soundtracks, and we have part two of our interviews with the from the Superman Trust. Welcome one and all to The Kindness Project. Uh, I am joined by two, two blokes who, um, one with a hot head, one with a moderately temperature head. It's uh, Russell and Chris Dames. Uh, and I'm joined by uh, a girl who um, is... Uh, what, what temperature is your head? It's a head. It's a head. It's a head. Temperatureless head. It's Charlotte Dames. Mm-hmm. So where's your day going, Charlotte? It's going okay. It's going okay. I've, uh, I got some homework done. I got some cleaning done. Yeah. I got some gaming done. And now I've got a cup of tea. And now we're getting some podcasts in, Dad. Let's do it. Yeah, and how's your day going, Russ? Yeah, it's been fairly all right. Fairly all right? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Chat is ever, Russ. Well done, mate. Yeah, well, um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, I'll tell you about my dad, a little gym class. And then um, locally to me, there's a... Um, campaign at the minute uh called trees for havering which are uh, which is in my sort of uh east uh east end london borough where I, where we uh, where where we well, not we all live because russ lives in this little village in norfolk but um in this little east end borough where they're trying to encourage just people to plant more trees and it's a nice little community event my youngest daughter my wife and I went out and um, planted some trees which was good and in the end everybody involved and there was probably about 15 people there ended up planting a thousand trees this morning so I'm feeling quite proud of yourself for us. Thousand trees is quite good. I planted four in the garden and I'll be fine. (laughs) Well done! Look, we've all got a, we've all got to do our bit. What, what sort of trees are they? Oh, there was apple trees. There was oak trees. There was um, a wide variety and range of trees. Now, because because none of us are particular gardening experts, I don't think there were, were any um, any trees that were needed expert planting. Because effectively, we were digging an hole, shoving it in the ground putting a bit of scaffolding up and then a bit of plastic over well, the top. Well, that's basically all you do with a tree. Well, I think you, there's some trees, according to the ex, experts, which are uh, Ross and Adam, who run the projects, there are some trees that you can't plant without knowing what you're doing. Okay. I'm thinking, I, I don't know what tree that is, Russ, but I'm thinking bonsai. I think bonsai is you've got to be careful of, haven't you? No, you know the ones in the Karate Kid where yeah, you've got a lot of They live on the surface of chipmunk. That's how much I know about trees. I don't even know where trees live for us. Bonsai, how do you know about bonsais? Bonsai takes, bonsai takes a lot of looking after. Right. But you don't plant them. They live, they live in Cookbuck. Oh, I'll stick with my succulents, thanks. They're quite easy to look after. Succulents? What's that? It's my succulents, like my yeah. cactus. Succulents, right. Cactus. Now, yeah. now there's two points I want to raise here. Number one, I didn't, I didn't know what a succulent was, and now I know it's a cactus. And we could um, we could revisit why Charlotte is obsessed with cactus and that, uh, cactus and how that started. But I want to explore the fact that Russ seems to be a bonsai tree. Do you have a bonsai, Russ? No, have no, you got a bonsai, Russ? I mean, no. I'm not a bonsai tree expert, but I once give grand orchids a go, which they grow in the same way. Go on, give it. Tell us about grand orchids. So, so they grow in chip. Would you give a bonsai a go, Russ? Yeah, I would. Okay, so that's that's we've ticked we've ticked one thing off the box. Have you got a have you have you got a Chinese mate, an older guy um, who's a, like a mentor? No. Would you consider getting one? And I'm definitely not waxing no cards. <laughs> Would you get no? Let's let's I'll take be, it one I'll step at a time. Chinese recipe. I'm delivering Chinese menus like a ninja. Right, right. Let's take it one step at a time. I'll ask you again. Would you consider 
having a um, an older gentleman who was also Chinese as a friend. Well, I, I know a Chinese older gentleman. <laughs> I've just looked at Charlotte. She's going, what are we doing again? What are we doing? She's just, I literally, the earth face is just bent down, I'm here, I'm here just enough. shaking her head in despair. Why, why are you... Why are you? He makes a fantastic Singapore noodle. <laughs> She's sick of it. She's sick of it. So, did you just say pot noodle? <laughs> he makes a fantastic Singapore noodle. Go on, who's, who's this guy who makes a fantastic Singapore noodle? He's the husband at the, uh, at the restaurant at the owner. Restaurant. Yes. Yeah, because you built his website for Chinese, I didn't did. you? I did. <laughs> right. So, you, we, so, tick. You'd potentially consider getting a bone tie. Tick. You've got an old, older gentleman Chinese friend. Oh. Tick. Would you consider taking up karate? Well, this is a fun. This is a funny story. I was taken to a karate lesson when I was about eleven by oh. Louise, our cousin. That's right, because Louise, our and cousin. I cried all the way through it. Well, Louise, you know why? And I never understood this. Why do they start karate lessons with push-ups? I don't know. I, I don't... can't do push-ups. I, I, I've never been able to push-ups. I, I think it's something to do with the resilience. Yeah, build it, build it. It might, it might be about building resilience. And actually, I can do push-ups now, but I, I'm, they're not one of my sort of favourite thing, things to do. I can do sit-ups. Uh, that's Sophie, that's oh, Sophie who's just joined the podcast, and she can apparently do sit-ups. How are you with the push-ups, huh? No. No, no. not a fan of push-ups. Um, sorry, we're just we're just trying to decide um, whether Russell's the new karate kid. So, mm. so you've you've tick bonsai. Have yeah. you ever caught a fly with chopsticks? No. Oh. I don't think he knows how to use chopsticks. Do you know how to use chopsticks? I know. Are you an expert in using chopsticks? I wouldn't say an expert, but I'm, I get by. How did you get on at your last Hill Valley Karate, Hill Valley karate tournament? I've, I've never been to Hill Valley. Ah, uh, he's not the karate kid. Where's Hill Valley? It, it's not called Hill Valley. It's all valley, isn't <laughs> no. it? But, but it's, Hill it's Valley just not is the from kid. Back to the Future. Hill Valley is... <laughs> I'm getting the 80s and allergies confused, right? That's no, I like the technology in Back to the Future. I'd like a hoverboard. <laughs> I'd, I'd like a flat capacitor, wouldn't you? I think one of them would be amazing. Anyway. I'd like one of those big elaborate alarm clocks. <laughs> what big elaborate alarm clocks? <laughs> Am I remember the right film where it, the the thing and it exploded at one point for some reason? Well, I, I think the future that they talked about in Back to the Future was... 2022, wasn't it? Or 2021? Oh, Often fiction does create future technology. Yeah. So mobile phones that they say a lot of the technology in mobile phones were inspired by Star Trek because Star Trek used to use those. Uh, yeah, have you never seen Star Trek? You mean Star Trek? Star Star. Oh, here we go again. Um, Star Star Trek. We we in the next episode of the podcast, we're going to have the blow conversation, Russ. That is going to blow your mind. I tell you, but we're going to save that for the next. We're going to save that for the next no. episode. Um, right. So let's, as we're on eighties uh, movies, let's share this week's question of the podcast. Which is oh yeah, charades. Yes, we're definitely going to be talking about charades as well. Um, uh, uh, The next question of the podcast, (laughs) which is, what is the greatest movie soundtrack you've ever heard? What do you think, Russ? I don't watch many movies, but American Gangster had a fantastic version of Amazing Grace in it. Did it? Oh yeah, no, I haven't heard that. And as well, it, it, it's very gospel. Uh, Love a bit of gospel. 
I like Amazing Grace uh, two ways. I like it with the bagpipes, and I like it, I like it gospel. Where where have you heard with the bagpipes? Uh, I call it on YouTube, but we went we oh, went we with we went with our mum once to the a mutual mum. Yeah, a mutual <laughs> mum to uh, a collective uh, mum to a tattoo. You know the military tattoo. I've got so. Yes. Where was that? Me. <laughs> yes, I completely get it. I completely understand. Uh, um, the, the military tower over uh, over at Wembley. Yeah, I remember. Because yeah. I remember all the guys doing the cannons across the And, uh, and they've done the amazing grace with the bagpipes. See, I don't, I, I'm, I'm surprised you remember that, because I don't, to yeah. be honest. Well, um, would you ever do the Edinburgh tattoo? Because apparently that is the best tattoo in the world, isn't it? I'd, I'd the million, sorry. I'll go to the tattoo again. Whether it be in Edinburgh, I don't know. Yeah, but you, you do it, wouldn't you? Yeah, I, I, I think it's... Um, I think the um, spectacle of that, and I haven't seen it since that... <laughs> Period, like no. since I was a kid, but the spectacle of that is amazing. What's you know, tattoo? What's how would you describe the tattoo? The, the military tattoo is like a parade of uh, military yeah. arts. So they do, so they do like bagpipes, they do letting off the cannons. But then what they do is they build the cannon and dismantle it, and they and do, move it they across do a lot sword. with us, and then yeah. yeah. I, I, I don't know. The horses, that sort of stuff. Why is it called a tattoo? I, you know what? I don't know. But we'll find out for next week, uh, and we'll we'll talk about the tattoo for next week, as well as our recent game of charades and Charlotte, our recent conversation about the use of certain phrases. But we'll save that for next week. Uh, this week, I'm going to talk about what your favourite soundtrack is. What's your favourite movie soundtrack? I'm not a fan of films. How about musicals, though? You love a musical. I do love a musical. How about what's what's the favourite musical soundtrack for you? Like, movie musical? Well, yes. It's got to be a movie. Oh, um, I don't know. I know what you're concerned. Oh, Sophie, what would you reckon it is? Uh, if, if If it was not... A music, a movie musical. I know what Charlotte's going to say. What do you reckon Charlotte's going to say? No. Oh, that's sad. That's a TV show, and that was a musical that was improvident in the episode of a TV show. What was um, that? Welcome to Mountport. Um, and what TV show was that? Game Changers. Game, tell us about that, then. Well, well, but it's not a movie. It doesn't fit the... Fit the thing. You're tangenting. We're not supposed to. Sorry, we're not supposed to tangent on the kindness project. I thought the majority of the podcast was that. We're not supposed to tangent that far off. Well, let's let's go that far off. Um, It's it's a TV show where basically the game changes every single episode, but it's like a game show. Like a video game. What game is it then? So it's just like little um, tasks. So one episode was the musical improv. One was imitating certain sounds. Right. One was... Um, there is, I'm saying this and describing it to you. And it's just like... Just just like look it up on YouTube. Just, just Google it. Just Google I'll it. Just Google it. it. Apparently... Well, sorry, you know what, Russ? When Charlotte asked what is a military tattoo, we tried to give her a decent answer, didn't we? But the answer we get back... I think that's quite a decent description. The game changes each time the TV shows on. But I still don't understand what the games are. Is it, is yeah. it the D&D guys that you like? Uh, you yeah, like it's it? the dropout lot. Right. What, what it seemed like to me is like, uh, like the other one with the big guys. <laughs> <laughs> The other one with the big guy, Taskmaster. Taskmaster, where the where it changes every time. Is it like Taskmaster? Sort of. Um, sort of like Taskmaster. You got like three contestants, and well, you're not choose, like Taskmaster. It's usually three, but it can be more depending on the game. 
becoming a bit more like Tiles Milestone. <laughs> but like seriously, just look it up on YouTube because it's quite funny. Just look it up on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> Charlotte's born to tell us now. <laughs> I we should have said that about the tattoo. Just look it up on YouTube. And, and actually, I would recommend you look up. That is what the what I'm going to do after we finish podcast recording. Look at YouTube and um, look at military tattoos. You know what's weird? One thing I just want to talk about. My mate Mark, we were talking about YouTube rabbit holes the other day, and that's yeah. uh, definitely a question of the podcast that I'm, I'm, I'm going to talk about in a future episode. Um, but my mate Mark said that his favourite thing to do on YouTube is to look at luxury yachts. Yep. Apparently, there's a luxury yacht channel on YouTube that he just absolutely loves spending time looking at luxury. Oh, you know what? Go on, what's, you your, what's spend, your YouTube rabbit hole? You know what? I spent two hours doing the other day. I was on. Looking I at your own belly button. I see him. <laughs> <laughs> I see on the nose. Looking at your finger. I was waxing a car. There you go. <laughs> Tend to your bonsai. <laughs> oh, for the underdog. <laughs> I mean, uh, you know what I'd love? Rastal, at the age of 41, 42, how old are you now? So, 42. 42. Entering the Norfolk Junior Karate Championship, right? <laughs> <laughs> he just turns up, no karate experience. Oh no, sorry, one lesson 35 years ago. Turns up in his game, turns up in his game, six foot two and quite a large fella to fight his kid. <laughs> that would be an amazing thing to do. Do that, Russ. Just please do that. Turn up to the local kids' karate tournament in your game. No, is that enough? I'm going to be, have to be a bit more specific in the recording notes for these, you know. <laughs> Sorry, Russ. Russ, talk to us about your YouTube rabbit hole. It, it's not technically a YouTube rabbit hole, but quite recently with the war, oh. I've got into looking at military hardware, you know, the older stuff that they sell off on eBay. Right. I didn't realise... And, and it's true story. I see it on the notes. You can buy tanks on eBay, like military tanks, decommissioned tanks. And I spent, uh, I spent, no, they're quite expensive. I spent <laughs> two hours cool, the other night trying to find a tank on eBay. What tank? What tank was you looking for? There, there's loads of them on there. Right. You so, know what? You know what? YouTube rabbit hole I quite enjoy. Um, is um, soldiers being reunited with their dogs. Oh, <laughs> I love those that videos. The only, the only thing I really watch on YouTube is tech reviews. Of tanks? Technical <laughs> explainers. Like, uh, Cody <laughs> No, not for tanks. Tanks. <laughs> not for the tanks. Something else for the tanks. Coding explainers. If I don't understand something, YouTube's my go-to. Yeah. And football manager... Uh, Reviews, yeah. like player reviews. And... Um, Have you not seen any videos of soldiers being reunited with their dogs? I mean, no, I haven't. I'm, I'm no. googling that as well. Or soldiers being reunited with their kids after. So, so, so what I've got that. to do? What I've got, what I've got to search for on YouTube now is um, uh, uh, military tattoos. Number one, soldiers being reunited with their dogs. And any examples of grown men entering <laughs> junior karate tournaments? <laughs> that is what I'm googling. But can I add one little element to that when you do it, Russ? Just uh, can you please turn up to this kids' karate tournament in your tank? Just, uh, just quickly. <laughs> while we're on the subject of kids entering tournaments, kids are getting bigger and bigger these days. <laughs> so, oh, we said so uh, old, today. Oh, look yeah. at the size of kids these and, days. As you know, we've been interviewed and I look like your son. So, uh, technically, I could, uh, I could pass for a 14-year-old. Maybe, maybe. We'll, we'll give it a go, Russ. Do, would I have to come 
along as a comparison and, and play the play the dad. That's exactly right. Right. I'd have to be your Mr. Margie, wouldn't I? That's the thing. Right. Let's just talk very quickly. I mean, we've completely, I mean, as tangents go, we've gone completely uh, off tangent. But that's, uh, if you'd like to answer the actual question of the podcast, which is, um, what is your favourite movie soundtrack? Um, uh, this is the way you can get in touch. Oh, me, yes. Yeah. Hi, I exist. <laughs> um, so if you want to uh, find us on Twitter, it's no, at Olive If you want to find us on Twitter, it's at Olive If you want to find us on Facebook, it's Olive... No, that's the email. It, you just type the Kindness Project into the search bar. If you want to find us on Google, you'd have to type the Kindness Project podcast into the search bar. Par? 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 What's the search bar, Ras? Do you know what the search bar is? That's not come up in any of my technical reviews, but... <laughs> <laughs> Email, olive.kindnessproject.co.uk. If you want to go directly to the website, it's www.thekindnessproject.co.uk. If you want to look us up anywhere else, please don't. We don't need all of this attention. I am camera shy. That's it. Anyway. <laughs> Let's move on to the part of the show, which is called... Uh, which bit we do now? Ah, Kindness News. Now you, now, you are going to love this first um, news story. I think you should read it out. I'm going to read out the uh, title. Photographer takes hilarious pictures of dogs catching cheese oh, I love to raise money cheese. for charities. And there you go. That's the article. I'll let you tell us all about it. I love dogs catching cheese. <laughs> A dog photographer who captures hilarious pictures of pooches trying to catch cubes of cheese has been raising money to buy pet food for food banks. 56-year-old Carolyn Cullen recently snapped pictures of 41 dogs lunging for cheese at a charity catch-a-thon event. Mum of two, Carolyn pictures everything from Rottweilers and Greyhounds to Little Border Terriers. Her husband, Alice Dare, diced up 10 kilograms of cheese to throw at the pooches while Caroline snapped away, taking around 50 pictures per pet. Hilarious behind the... Hilarious? <laughs> Hilarious behind the scenes footage shows impatient Rottweiler Zeus. Oh, what happened with my chest there? Getting to set up to catch the cheese. Caroline started the event in 2018 and it put on for 14 months. Raising for £15,000, I think is what that said, but was forced to pull the plug on it when the pandemic hit. Caroline, who owns Carrie Southern, Southerton Photography, said of their recent events, it was a crazy day. We never have such. It was a crazy day, but we have never laughed so much ever. The owners had a ball. It was brilliant. There were only six balls who did. There were only six dogs who didn't catch or couldn't catch the cheese. Some were being princesses and just looking at Alistair after he threw the cheese with great disdain, as if to say, how dare you throw something at me? But you get the hilarious outtakes with the ones who don't catch it, so it was great fun and dogs loved it. We started a fundraising page because someone in America contacted us saying they could be there but would like to donate, so we are help, hoping to get our, our target through that. To donate, visit the GoFundMe page... Uh, and then there's and, just and then there's plenty of pictures of uh, just dogs basically catching. Have you not seen dogs catching cheese before? It's great. Which is amazing. Now, where does somebody just turn around and go? You know what? I think would be a good charity fundraiser. I'm going to make my dog catch cheese. Have where not, does that? Have you not seen dogs catching cheese before? It's so sweet. No. Oh, it's so what good. are these? I mean, so there funny. are there are so much so much so. So much dog-related content dogs just are out there on the internet. Dogs is it because dogs are just super cute? It is. It is, yeah. I, I, I think you, you're seeing a lot more of that more diverse cherry collecting now. Because well, I mean, people, I, people are just not giving to the... Well, I suppose you've got to create content that's unique to get yeah. the attention, haven't so, you? To so get the noticed, yeah. Like, like, I see what would be a unique piece of content. Quite a large 42 year old man <laughs> turning up to a karate competition in a tank, um, and fighting a 10 year old. That would go viral, Russ. That would definitely get, go viral. Man, 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 man,
by uh, Richard Branson when he was promoting Virgin. Exactly. If it worked so for Branson, it would work for us. That'd be out of win run. I need an air balloon as well if I'm going for Branson. <laughs> Just parachute out of an air balloon in a tank onto the ledger centre roof. <laughs> you crash through the roof, get out of the tank in your gate, you're ready to fight. Just job done. Next, um, next uh, uh, news article on the Kindness Project. Kind stranger warms heart with notes and free food left in park for those in need. Uh, the last year has been an especially difficult time for many, and there are numerous people who find themselves in need of a little help. And one kind soul has taken it upon themselves to make a difference to someone in need by leaving food supplies on a park bench for people to collect free of charge. A local resident spotted the boxes and bags of free food on a bench while walking through Leith Links Park uh, in Edinburgh. They then shared it via Facebook, alerting others, uh, that may be struggling for food during this cold period. The photos showed that there was two massive boxes and a big uh, bag full of veg essentials such as bread, rolls, fruit uh, and vegetables with a note attached that read, free to use, please put the lid back on. The local who shared the collection of food said, pass this on a bench at the end of the links, just for the bridge over towards Seafield. Boxes filled with bread, rolls, general food, free to whoever needs it. What a kind thing to do. This isn't the first time a similar gesture has been spotted over the last few years in the area to help a homeless individuals and those struggling financially. People in the comments said that this has been a regular occurrence over the years with one kind-hearted individual taking it upon themselves to provide help during the winter months. I absolutely love that. Absolutely love that. Just actually not a massively expensive way to um, help and support, um, and particularly if, if, as this person did, did it anonymously, um, uh, certainly a way that you can support and help uh, in a really simple way. So yeah, love that idea, well done. We've got part two of the interview now with uh, Steve Dixon from the Sycamore Trust. The Sycamore Trust does amazing work with uh, autistic um, kids and uh, people on the spectrum, supporting them to live their lives in a, in a way that um, is, is best for them. And in the second part of the interview, Steve and I, and again, if you've not heard the first part of the interview, go back to last week's episode. But in the second part of the interview, we'll learn more about the amazing work that the Sycamore Trail does. Should, mm -hmm. we, should we listen? Let's do it. And, and I, sp I suppose, and again, we, we touched on this earlier on, we talked about the pandemic. We talked about the fact that, uh, as you say, valuing that order might have meant that there's a routine and a consistency. In your experience, and particularly over the last couple of years, have you seen the pandemic have an impact on, on some of the individuals you work with lives? Well, it's, it's affected some of our young people quite considerably. And it's not really a surprise. I mean, people with autism, quite often can struggle with social communication yeah so that there a lot of the work that we do particularly with younger um teenagers you know the 10 11 12 year olds 13 year olds um is about making eye contact about when to join in a conversation about how to speak to someone that you don't know as opposed to someone that you're familiar with who's a member of the family yeah yeah um and all of a sudden we weren't allowed to, 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 to do those particular activities. So that all stopped. And so you, you, then, you then got a cohort of people that aren't particularly comfortable around other, other people in social situations being told, don't go out, don't speak to anybody, you know, just don't, don't, um, don't leave your bedroom. Don't engage. Yeah, don't, yeah. don't engage. And for some of these people, that was wonderful because they were yeah. now told that the, all the things that they were really, really uh, felt really uncomfortable about, they didn't have to do. So as a result, um, some of the young people that we support actually rather enjoyed the, the, the lockdown yeah. initially yeah, because yeah. They, you know, they were being told they had to do everything online. They had, you know, they were told not to leave the house. Um, and it, we had and to do a bit of work. more of a comfortable space for a lot yes. of people. Yeah, yeah. Yes, we had to do a bit of work with some of our families to try and help them 
transition their children back into school. And, and at the very beginning as well, Chris, it was so difficult because I think back to uh, just over a year ago, uh, as we came out of the, the Christmas under lockdown, yeah. and, and the, um, the, the children were encouraged to go back to school on the first Monday, whatever it was, the, 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 the 3rd or 4th of January. And that night, uh, the, 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 educa the education minister announced that schools would be shut the following day. Okay. So a lot of those parents would have had to have done an awful lot of work to sort of build up to getting their kids back to school on that Monday morning. Kids go back to school, come home, may even have gone to bed, and then to find out when they got up the following morning that it, everything they've been building up for had, had was now back to... To the previous situation. Well, I mean, I've got to be honest, Steve. I mean, I don't think oh, I don't think any of us was prepared to the uh, for the roller coaster that was 2020 and 2021. Yes. Um, but at least we, we potentially are a bit more emotionally equipped uh, equipped for, for that change. But as you say, if you're on the spectrum, change is a big thing, isn't it? Well, I suppose one way of putting it, Chris, might be if, if, if you're a parent and you've arranged for childcare and then you think to yourself, great, the kids are going back to school. I haven't got to yeah. worry about childcare. At eight o'clock on that Monday night, suddenly you're, 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 you're ringing around desperately looking for childcare for the following day because th these things yeah. just... They, they happened and nobody was given any warning. Um, it was extremely difficult period for some of the, the families that we yeah. worked with. I mean, I, I did learn that, particularly uh, during lockdown one, I am the worst homeschooling dad in the world. It didn't go well, I've got to be honest. Um, um, now, we've talked about young people, we've talked about sort of going on that journey. Um, and I know I've, I've sort of done the research and, and look on the website. I know you deliver loads of support to support young people into adulthood become more independent tell me a little bit about that journey well uh, obviously as we've said before autism never ends you know it, it is a lifelong journey so yeah. we, we do a lot of work with young people as we said we do a lot of life skills with young people you know talking about appropriate behavior and how to stay safe online and tra tra travel training and this kind of thing but obviously eventually these young people will grow up and and, and we've we've done some work to try and help them prepare for work which again is another big transition um and uh, we also do uh, a support program uh, our outreach program which helps it enables uh, um, older people with autism to to create those social social groups that perhaps they're lacking in we've also got another program um, the autism ambassadors which we're very proud of because that employs a couple of people uh, on the spectrum um, and they go out and deliver uh, autism awareness training to um, local uh, organizations schools and businesses um, that was something that we actually looked at a couple of years ago as something we could take a bit further so that now has accreditation from the cpd office the continuing professional development standards office so if you are one of those industries uh, that invests in staff training through the cpd office uh, things like finance uh, construction healthcare, yeah. i think yeah, they're yeah, very yeah. big on cpd training we now provide autism awareness training worth an hour and a half towards your cpd total that's really interesting that's so really that is something that we've only really just started um, and we're sort of we dipped our toe. And that's water. delivered by uh, individuals on the spectrum. Who that is, that's right. Yes, directly on our, our absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and it's fascinating. We, um, we, we're talking about two two young men who are both university graduates, so they're both very intelligent young men. Yeah. Um, but they both have very different journeys. I mean, one of them, his parents were told when he was like five or six that he'd never he'd never amount to anything. He wouldn't get he wouldn't get the, the, the lowest level job ever in his life and here he is now uh, training um, other people on, on how to, to to make your environment more autistic friendly i think is that the, perhaps the best phrase so yes we've got this particular project and, and these guys they deliver this program either over um uh, zoom or teams or they can do it in person obviously the in-person presentations have sort of, sort of dried up a bit for obvious reasons yeah. um, they are very very effective um, and they're very, very powerful. And everyone that's done them, I think, has learned something. And in general, you know, the, the guys are, are, they finish by asking for questions and the Q&A session can go on for quite some considerable time because everybody invariably has a different question, probably linked to somebody that they know in their own family. Um, 
but those sessions have been fantastic. And the CPD trading is something that we're hoping is going to pick up because um, it does provide us with a, a very small revenue stream as well. And, and as I'm sure we'll talk about at some point in this conversation, you know, revenue streams are are not yeah, you need to make sure you've got the income well, you to do the work. Like, yeah. like all other businesses, you know, it's been a struggle these last couple of years. Um, and we're fighting for a, a smaller pot of money with a large group of people. Yeah. So it's it's, it's yeah, not a good equation. I mean, it's really interesting. The, the a lot of the and we we highlight a wide range of different uh, causes and people doing great work on the climate project. But one of the recurring themes over the last couple of years is when you take events away from charities. You know, in terms of revenue, it's a really difficult uphill struggle, isn't it? It's. I don't think people realise just how difficult it is. I mean, and like a lot of charities, I think we've been quite fortunate that some people have sort of stepped up and done things on their own. But yeah, yeah. You, you, what you, you, what we're finding though, Chris, is there's a, a phrase that I stole from somebody else. I'm not. I, I hate to say that I'm smart enough to think of it myself. It's called compassion fatigue, and I think it's where. You know, you, you maybe have a you have a direct debit to a charity and then someone on Facebook says I'm running a marathon and then, you know, so you have to you have to give them a 10 or 20 quid. Then your next door neighbor knocks on the door and says that they're doing something for um, for their local charity. So you want, you want to give them 10 or 20 quid. And then your sister says she's having a bake sale. But and there comes a point where people just say, look, enough. And it, it's, it's become very, very difficult fundraising over these last couple of years and, and not being able to do events where people can get together, have a bit of fun and, and buy a raffle ticket or yeah. take part in, a, in an activity like a quiz night where they can get together and it's a social occasion and they they, are, they understand that there's a, a charitable element to it. So we're, 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 we've struggled there. I mean, ch charity fundraising just dropped off a cliff, you know, and when you and when we're in mass participation events like the London Marathon, are being cancelled oh, you know people yeah. like us rely on you know we had a guy last year who did the marathon and raised a thousand pounds um you know i i, I myself am down for a, a, a ten thousand meters it's been put it's been postponed twice already yeah um, you know, those kind of events that when they stopped it, it's had a massive effect on that well i mean it's money. funny because I, I i ran the marathon from francis hospice 2021 and um i i was booked in to do it in 2020 um and i went out for my uh 23 mile training run, steve only to get back to find a whatsapp from my friend who says you do know it's cancelled and i was like oh. thanks mate you can then let me know about four hours <laughs> <laughs> yeah. nice no, i may not have gone for that run but yeah, as you as you say, that that element of that element of um, fundraising is so uh, so so fundamentally important. One one point that you raised earlier on that I just want to talk about is employability, uh, yeah. particularly for people on the spectrum. Do you think there's a perception from employers about the employability of somebody who is autistic, and what can employers do to understand a bit more about the central talents that somebody on the spectrum can bring and the accommodations they might need to make? Well, I think the first thing, and obviously I, 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 I would say, you know, take the training that we provide because, or not just from us, from somebody else, you know, but, but get an awareness of what it means to be on the spectrum and have a, a little understanding because it affects, it, it can affect you in, in, in two ways. There's obviously the fact that, that you may well have members of staff that are either already in your building or that you want to bring in but also your customer base could well have uh, people in it that are on the spectrum and we, we found i mean there's this there's this phrase the purple pound and it's it was worth a lot of money i think it's worth it like you know a couple of hundred billion pounds to the to the economy um i had to look that figure up because it seemed unusually large but you know it, it's, it's quite a, a, a large figure it, it's been sort of widely acknowledged that if there is an autistic or a disabled person um, in a family that, that is comfortable with a particular activity, then the whole family will do that activity. So consequently, mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's financially beneficial for a business to be friendly towards people with physical or hidden disabilities or, or neurodiversities because if a restaurant looks after a particular family where one of the members is, is autistic they'll all eat there if a shoe yeah. shop looks after the one member of the family who's autistic they'll all buy their shoes there yeah, if a holiday yeah. firm you know where i'm going with this so the the the, 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 the autistic sort of pound or the, the disabled pound is actually very very valuable so i think there is a, a 
uh, obviously a, a point from a view from employers not only will you educate your workforce and potentially pick up one or two members of staff that are very very valuable but also you'll open yourself up to a, perhaps a group of people that are willing to support what you do because you look after the member of the family that's on the spectrum yeah, and you, know, you know what I, I i i take a bit of a probably overly optimistic and naive attitude to this steve i think as businesses we we have got an obligation to do a bit of good in the world and support people where where, where we can uh, and i think actually from a perspective of the relationship we build with our wider communities and clients that fades off and that includes being understanding of, of, of people in the spectrum i think now one of the things i know that uh, is mentioned on the website is the autism hub that you've got in Rumford. tell me a little yes. bit about that that's a really important area for us the hub i mean it's, it's it's part of our partnership with the london borough of Havering. really important because it's front-facing chris it gives yeah. us a presence it means that we've got a building in the middle of a really busy you know a, a terrific shopping center the liberty it's a really busy center they're well connected by road and rail and you can walk in any time of the day obviously provided we're open of course but and get advice and support um, if you need it and that that's so important for us and it's it's an area that we we value very very highly and, and we have a little sensory room in in the hub which of course was closed during the pandemic but you know if you've got a young person on the spectrum who's just finds the whole thing about shopping a bit overwhelming the noise the lights the flashing yeah, yeah, yeah. the, 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 the the sounds of a till even the even the different aromas as you walk <coughs> past lush you know, we'll walk past the coffee shop, you know, that can yeah, be a little bit yeah. because obviously autism, a lot of kids have uh, sensory issues. They can come into the sensory room and just and, and just have a wine and just a, have a, have 10 down. minutes of space. Um, so the autism hub is really important. You get really good advice in there. The people that work in the hub are very, very experienced in, in these matters. I don't profess to say that anyone we have is an expert, but the two the two ladies that, that run the hub are as close as you'll get to an expert. Yeah. Um, so please do. Is, come that, in. is that available and open for uh families of, of people yes absolutely and right i mean what if we if we can if we can support anyone that walks in the hub we will if we can't we'll signpost them signpost. to an area or to a different service that will be able to help them um so you know no one gets turned away uh, it's a, it's, a, it's an extremely important service uh, for us no, amazing. And, and one of which we're very proud Talk, talk to me, what story best typifies the work that Sycamore well, does for you? There are many, but I'll, I'll give you one that I, I was involved in myself because I can talk with, with a degree of knowledge. Um, I was in the hub, oh, must have been two years ago now, and a young lady walked in um, who, who was known to us. I mean, she comes to one of our, uh, our adult peer groups. I think she'd be around about early 20s. Okay. And she was wearing a T-shirt. And I just had with a quite a bright uh, 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 pattern on it. I said, well, I like your T-shirt. She said, oh, I, I made it myself. And I thought, oh, what do you mean you made it? You mean you, you got the print and you printed it using a heat press? You know, no, I, I drew the image. I thought, wow, it was a, it was a, it was it was a pop star that I I think I'd never heard of. But then obviously <laughs> I'm, I'm 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 30 years too old. To, well, to I, I, I live I live musically vicariously through my kids now. Yeah, I've got yeah. My eighteen-year-old is like I I, I I I mean I've got a Spotify playlist that has some sort of music on, but yeah, I'm, well, I'm it's still, recommended by Charlotte to be honest. I'm still listening to stuff from the seventies and eighties, so I I wouldn't know. But anyway, apparently this young this this picture was from a a, a a pop star, and this young lady had drawn this picture herself, and I said, um, what else can you show me? And she 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 showed me some of these other images that she'd drawn. And she's extraordinarily talented. So long story short, I got in touch with uh, Havering Changing, um, which is um, the arts funded project uh, right. in Havering. And um, they and, and they they fixed up a meeting with um, the Mercury Mall management in um, in Romford. And, and this young lady was able to exhibit some of her work in, uh, in the gallery at, at the Mercury Mall that's next to the cinema. And she sold a couple of pieces. Love that. So uh, and I just, uh, and, and she got featured in the Romford Recorder. She was interviewed on Time FM. She's, you know, she, her, I'm not going to say her life has changed, but the confidence boost that we've able to, been able to give this young woman as a result of her undoubted talent, um, I, I think has made a big difference to her life. So I'm, that's that, a story that I'm quite proud of. That's Sycamore no, in action. I love that, Stephen. And it's that, 
is that support to say, look, you've got talent, you're capable of it. What can we use absolutely, as a resource to, to help you? She, she help would have, she would quite possibly have spent most of her life being overlooked. Yeah. Yeah, and yet yeah. She, so, here, so that, here's here's a real talent, and you know, let's let's put it into a wider and, and into a wider I've, picture. And I think the interesting thing is where, you know, maybe if that was you and me, we'd go out and talk about a talent, talk about the work we can do, just supporting people who have clearly got the talent but not comfortable yes. selling it for want of a better word. Yes. yes. Um, just supporting them with the infrastructure is is amazing. I absolutely love that. Um, talk to me a little bit about if people want to get involved. If people, I mean, my experience is that you know a lot of people get involved with causes where that it's directly impacted them. Um, and now now we've got you know listeners at, at the kind of projects not only based in their local area but all over the world. Uh, let's look at it from a local perspective. If somebody wants to get involved supporting the Sycamore Trust and helping you guys out, either through fundraising or volunteering or whatever way, what ways can they do that? Well, obviously, the first thing I would do is ask them to go to our website um, because they'll find a lot of information there. Um, I'm, I'm also, I think, going to mention our activities uh, for Autism Awareness Week. This is an extremely important time of year for us at Sycamore. Autism Awareness Week, Autism Awareness Month, Autism Awareness Day, all happens in April. And uh, it's a chance for autism to be sort of, you know, on, on the, the national agenda, if that's the correct phrase. <laughs> I've been talking to the management at the Liberty, again, really, really supportive, the Liberty Centre in Romford. Yeah. And we're going to be doing an activity uh, in the central square in the Liberty Centre in Romford throughout Autism Awareness Week. Um, so please come along and, and take part. We're going to have a few fun activities where people can take part. And obviously, you know, I hope they'll drop a couple of quid in the bucket at the same time and, and, and so on and so forth. We also uh, have what we call Dare to be Different Day, which is the Friday of Autism Awareness Week, which this year falls on the 1st of April. And if there was ever a day to do something odd or unusual or out of the ordinary, it has to be the 1st of April. The idea behind Dare to be Different is that um, we, we want to try and shine a light on what, it, what it's like to be on the spectrum uh, for a day. And what we've, what we've done in the past is we've asked people to wear something unusual. You know, um, I mean, a couple of years ago, I dressed up as a, as a Roman emperor, and I'm sure I got some very, very odd looks. Um, are, you know, are you now pretending you just don't do that on an ordinary Tuesday? Um, to be honest, I mean, I <laughs> tend to use my Roman emperor outfit at the weekends, but yes, no, it was clearly. Yeah, just an ordinary day. Um, but the idea being is if you get a couple of odd looks on, if you're sitting on the bus with, you, you know, with, 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 with your shoes on, the, on, the, on odd feet or something, imagine what that's like to be getting that odd look every day because that okay. might be what it's like to be on the spectrum. So there is a, there is a meaning behind it. But the, the idea is you know, people dress up as something unusual and they donate a pound to the Sycamore Trust. And you know, we, we're not going to generate tens of thousands doing that, but it, it, it does help to keep the sort of the finances ticking over. As we said earlier, it's been very you, difficult. I, mean, I suppose part of your mission is awareness as well. Absolutely. So Absolutely. I think you know, combining those two things, you know, a bit of awareness with fundraising is really, really important to do. Yes. So the, the, week, the week that um, Autism Awareness Week... It's the 28th of March um, yeah. through to the 3rd of April. Um, so it's so we're about seven weeks away at the beginning of February, uh, the beginning yeah. of March. Uh, sorry, sorry, the beginning of April. It's the 28th of March through to the 3rd of April. That's Autism Awareness Week. We'll be in the Liberty Centre for most of that week, um, raising awareness of autism and uh, talking about um, the things that we at the Sycamore Trust can do to help. Fab, great stuff. And then I know you mentioned the website. Can you just make sure that our listeners are aware of the uh, URL? Yes, it's sycamoretrust.org. Amazing. We'll, and, and if you're listening to this, you can find that on the show notes um, with everything that Steve's spoken about at www.thekindnessproject.co.uk. Steve, it's been an absolute pleasure, mate. Thank you for coming on the podcast. And, Thank you for having uh, me. Sharing your story. Loved it. Great stuff. Thanks very much, Chris. All the best. And that was the second part of the interview with Steve. I hope you really enjoyed that. And we have reached that stage of the podcast again. Here's the end of another podcast, but the end is never truly the end because the end is always the beginning of something entirely new. And, and that, this week, that entirely new is... 
last week's question of the podcast this week as it normally is. <laughs> and last week's question of the podcast this week is, um, in your opinion, what's the world's greatest city? Now, I know how you feel about this, Russ, because we spoke about it last week. Are you still saying Norwich? Banger in Wales. <laughs> We've been doing a bit of research. Why Banger in Wales? I, I just like the sound of it, Banger. And that Barry Island. If you're going to go in for anywhere in Wales, you've got to go for a bit of Barry Island, haven't you? No, I don't like islands. Oh, no, not islands. You live on an island, Russ. It's called the United Kingdom. <laughs> oh, uh, uh, are we... Are we... Are we not commenting on that one, Russ? No, we no, we're not. Uh, we're not. No, we're not. I'm not, okay, I'm not even gracing you with a response now. Clearly not. Um, Mike Christie said uh, Barcelona after Liverpool. Uh, Mark Eccles said he likes Barcelona as well. Sean Acton said London. Um, Kevin Hull said London first. But if I'm travelling around, Rio de Janeiro is the only city I know to have a rainforest, a beach, and a mountain. I think that's a good shout. Sam Chilton said, uh, apologies for the pronunciation there, Phnom uh, Phenen, uh, after London, of course, and apparently South End. Um, Steve Dan said London, but he likes New York too. Sharon Hurst said London, Tel Aviv, and Cape Town. Mark Bartley said uh, Dublin. Toby Acton says Kuala Lumpur. Alice Joy says St. Peter Bolt in Guernsey. Elaine Seth Glennon agrees that uh, London is the place to be. Mike Bray said London, but then Oslo. Uh, and Karina Murray said London. And Benjamin Fox said Southend. And Rich Ellis said Bristol. I think there is probably a little bit, Russ, of hometown bias there. But I agree with them that London is definitely the place I to be. I am absolutely disgusted, Norwich. Yeah. <laughs> well, then nobody else said Norwich. Yeah. Well, Do you've got one more, Dad. Oh, sorry. Uh, uh, Keith Boyers actually got involved and said Edinburgh. So uh, nobody, apart from you, Russ, believes Norwich is the greatest city in the world. Unbelievable. <laughs> on that note, unbelievable. And on that note, that is another show. Uh, we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.